This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Amen. Hey, it is great to see you this morning. I hope you've had an amazing week, especially those of you that are here for the very first time. I want to say welcome, add my welcome to what Barry shared earlier. We are thrilled uh, that you are here because your future is our focus, and we're excited you're here. We're excited. Summer's almost over. (laughs) A few more weeks, guys, a few more weeks. It's going to get a lot cooler, hopefully. Not much cooler. We live in Florida, but it's going to be awesome. Hey, have you ever... Have you ever read a story in the Bible or been told about a story in the Bible and you thought, I, I don't fit in? Like David. David, a boy with a slingshot, kills a giant. God uses him in such an incredible way. I don't, I don't know if he'd do that with me. Or Daniel. Daniel is in the lion's den, has to spend the night there, and they don't eat him. Like, I would die of a heart attack. I wouldn't even make it through the night. It's not even an issue. Or the three guys in Daniel chapter three that are thrown into the furnace by the king Nebuchadnezzar and Jesus rescues them, saves them, they they don't burn up. Like, did you ever, I grew up in church and sometimes I I would hear these Bible stories and I would think, I don't fit in. Like, I don't know that that would happen in my life. Or maybe you didn't grow up in church. But as I roll through those things, and you've heard stories before of, maybe miraculous things that happen in scripture and you think that that's just that's just not my life i think of first samuel where jesse calls young david who's a shepherd boy and he says i need you to go check on your brothers that they've been at battle it's been 40 days and every day he walks outside and he looks in the same direction and his sons aren't coming home And so for 40 days, he's done that day after day after day. And finally, he can't take it anymore. And he's like, hey, David, here's some cheese. Here's some bread. The first chartreuse, is that how you say it? That, that thing, that, that with the cheese and all the other stuff. First one of those in history. He says, I want you to take this to your brothers on the battlefield. And I I want you to make sure they're okay. Bring me word back. Now, what's fascinating to me about this moment, this is the same dad placing his confidence in young David who didn't even think enough of David to bring him in the room when Solomon said, the king's going to come from your family. Let me see your sons. Jesse overlooked David, didn't consider David, undervalued David, and said there's no way that David is who God's going to pick and shows him all the other brothers. And Solomon says, nope, none of them. Do you have anybody else? Well, there's David, but surely not David. Like, I don't know about you, but so often in life, that's how I've thought about me. Maybe God blesses some people. Maybe God can use some people. Maybe Peter can walk on water. Maybe the lions won't eat Daniel. Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can go in the furnace and not get burned up. Maybe David can kill Goliath, but I I just don't see that in my, I'm just a normal guy. And so often, we undervalue and underestimate what God has put inside us. David shows up at the battlefield and he hears the talk. The Israelite army is on this hillside. The Philistines are on that hillside. There's a valley in the middle. And there's this guy, Goliath, 
who's a Philistine, who every morning for 40 days, morning and evening, comes out and says, who's going to fight me? And calls the army of God, the Israelites, cowards. Begins to mock God. And day after day after day, this happens, and everybody's terrified. Until finally, King Saul, King Saul says, look, the person who goes and fights Goliath, which, by the way, scholars say was nine feet, eight inches tall. The person who go out and fight him, you can marry one of my daughters. And nobody steps forward. Maybe because they'd seen his daughters, I don't know. But, but nobody says, I'll do it. And so then he says, okay, not only can you marry one of my daughters, I'll give you great wealth. Nobody steps forward. So then he says, okay, not only can you marry one of my daughters, I'll give you great wealth and no taxes for you or your family. And gas will be free. I, I just threw that one in. That's not really in there, but wow, maybe, maybe I'm stepping forward. Nine foot eight, who cares? Gas prices? And nobody comes forward. So, so David reaches the battlefield and he hears all this talk. Now what nobody ever told me when I was growing up, what nobody ever said to me about King David, because you read these stories and you think, oh, they're these, these spiritual icons. I could never be like that. When David gets to the battlefield, Three times he asks a question. One time he makes a statement. Who is this Philistine, or asks a question, who is this Philistine that defies the army of God? One time. You know what he does three times? In fact, these three, one of them, he, he does first. Three times he says, so whoever goes out and fights this guy, what do we get up for it? What, what do we get out of this? What's in it for me? In fact, one time he asked the question, and one of his brothers who's there that he went to check on, they say to him, 1 Samuel chapter 17, they say, listen, why are you even here? You're so arrogant. You're so full of yourself. You're just this for you. They don't tell me that part. And so David, David hears, uh, well, Saul said, whoever fights him gets to marry one of his daughters, gets a ton of money and no taxes. And it's almost like David finds it hard to believe, so he asks somebody else. And even after his brother accuses him of being arrogant and conceited, he ignores him and turns to people around him. Now, what, what do you get if you go fight this guy? Marry one of my daughters, a lot of money, no taxes. Maybe, maybe I am a little bit like David. Maybe I am motivated for what's in it for me. And maybe God used people that started with a motivation of what's in it for me. And he asked this question so often that Saul the king calls him in. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. We have such a way of underestimating what God can do in somebody's life. We so quickly size up people by their age or their experience or their background. And I wonder how many times we write off how big God is because of how small we view things. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Superhero. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Listen, let's notice. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Fine, nobody else is signing up. 
You, you can do this. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul. There are a lot of people in life that will try to put on you what doesn't fit. There are a lot of people sometimes in leadership where you work that will demand things of you that are just not, not how you're wired, not how you roll. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Now, if you grew up in church, you know the story. If not, here's what happens. He goes out and he faces Goliath, and Goliath is mocking again. And David takes out a stone, puts it in the slingshot. He only has five in his clip, and he's got to be thinking, I got five shots and I can take him out. Sometimes, I think we wonder when we look at this, was David just that good with the slingshot? Like, was he just, did he know, hey, I got him? I don't think so. How many stones did he pick up? The first one got him. That's a gift from God. That's God working through him. So even, even if I have the wrong attitude in the beginning, what's in it for me? But I take the step of obedience and I say, okay, God, I'll do what you've asked me to do. Somewhere in that process, there's a spiritual transformation takes place where God begins to bless, not because I'm perfect, but because he's good. There's never been a perfect person God used. By the way, the son of God was God. So there's never been a human being. God has never looked down from heaven and said, man, aren't we lucky that guy was born. Whew. No, it's God that does it. And God used somebody whose father had overlooked him. He kills Goliath. He cuts off his head. And it's not a story of Saul picking the strongest or the smartest or the best athlete. Just like when David was chosen to be king, it wasn't brother number one, brother number two, brother number three. It wasn't the guy that graduated from the Ivy League school. It wasn't the pro, uh, pro football player. It, it wasn't the one who had invented a bunch of stuff. It was David, the least likely. It was the son who didn't measure up. Because often God will work in the lives of those we may classify as unlikely to show how powerful he is and how good he is and how deeply he loves every single person. So today for just a moment, we pop to Romans 12, just a couple of verses. And this morning I'm praying that you understand the leadership capacity and the giftedness that God has put inside you. Because some of you, maybe it was Bible stories you heard as a kid that you thought there's no way I could do that. Or maybe it was a father or a mother that diminished your value. Maybe you were never picked first. Elementary school, they're picking for the kickball team and you're always last. And life has told you that you just don't, you, you just don't have what other people have. What, what if you do? What if it's just that other people have tried to put on you what doesn't fit? but God has something he wants to do in and through you that would blow your mind if you ever recognized it. You are more of a leader and you have more influence than you recognize. And it has nothing to do with what you've messed up or how much you can't do it. It has everything to do with what God wants to do in your life, how he's wired you and his purpose for your life. Romans chapter 12, verse three. 
For by the grace given me, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Ephesus, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I think, <clears throat> I think we have an epidemic of this today. There's not just road rage on I-4, there's road rage in the island publics. Like, I, I'm busier, I'm more important, I got more stuff to do, you need to get out of my way. Why are you going so slow? Like, <clears throat> everything we view day by day in life is all about me. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not, do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, now he's speaking, remember, the Holy Spirit's inspiring Paul to write this to the church at Rome. So this is Christ followers. If you're a follower of Jesus, we, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, we're thrilled that you're here. You're welcome here. And you get a very transparent look at the expectation of God through scripture for Christ followers. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. You'll find in the word of God, sometimes the church is referred to as the body of Christ or Christ followers together corporately are referred to as the body of Christ. In a sense, what he's doing is he's drawing a parallel. He's saying like, just in our bodies, we have an arm and a an hand and an elbow and all these different parts that when functioning together, create something that's beautiful and something that can, can enjoy life and make a difference in life in the same way. In the church, we all have different gifts. We all have different things we bring to the body of Christ, the church, the spiritual family on earth to be able to make a difference and we function together, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. That means I'm better with you and you're better with me and together we're better. You have, you have a gift. You are Maybe they never told you in school. Maybe you never saw it on a report card. Maybe you never got the gold star, but you are gifted. You are gifted. But there's some things we need to see to understand and live in this giftedness. The first one is this. Giftedness only flourishes in an attitude of humility. Giftedness only flourishes in an attitude of humility. What is the purpose of the gift? For God to work through you to impact and bless and help other people. And arrogant people don't help other people, no matter how talented they are. Giftedness only flourishes in an attitude of humility. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I know people that if they don't change the way they think and live, that should be the phrase on their tombstone. And so often in churches, man, people can get puffed up and proud of themselves and arrogant. The Bible word is Pharisee. And we can look down our noses at other people. And how many churches look at passages in the Bible and talk about how bad people out there are and how good people in here are, when the reality is Romans chapters one through 11, we walk through it, tough journey, deep in the weeds. We're all bad. We're all broken. We're all messed up. Nobody's better than anybody else. Giftedness only flourishes in an attitude of humility. What is humility? Humility is not when someone says to somebody on our worship team, awesome job this morning. Oh, no, 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 no. That was just God. No, no, it wasn't. It was you. I saw you. You were standing right there. It, it was you. Recognizing that God has gifted you. Thank you for the encouragement. That's humility. It, it, humility, here it is. Humility is accuracy. Humility is not overinflated or underappreciated. 
Humility is reality. Humility is not a diminished view of yourself. Humility is not, oh, I'm worse than everybody. Everybody else is better. That's not humility. That's a false view of you. An honest view is recognizing who you are and whose you are and how deeply God loves you and the value God sees in you and has placed in you because he has gifted you and he gave his son to die for you. It's an accurate view. It's not an exaggerated view of higher or lower. It's reality. And then I think of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, said, each of you should use whatever gift. Notice the verse doesn't say, those of you that have a gift. It says, each of you, because all of you are gifted, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It means your gifts have a purpose. You have a sweet spot. And when you live in that spot, life is sweet. It's discovered The sweetness of life, the meaning of life, the blessing of life, the fulfillment of life is discovered when you serve others with the gifts God's given you. Or Paul, inspired again by the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork. That word handiwork, remember it. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word handiwork in the original language is literally poema, poem. How many of you at some point in your life, maybe not this week, but at some point in your life, maybe years and years and years ago, you felt such affection and attention towards someone that that you wrote them a poem? I'm not saying you're a poet, but at some point in your life, you were so moved with feelings for someone, you took a shot at it. How many of you have ever written a poem? Raise your hand real high. Ever in the history of your life? Look around. A lot of poets. That's awesome. That's awesome. A lot of unemployed poets. That's amazing. It's beautiful. I remember a poem I wrote to Angie. I think it was our junior year of high school. I remember the first line. As the sun glistens through the cottage window, maybe one day we'll have a dog named Fido. Like, I'm I'm just not good at it. I know it's supposed to rhyme. And and in Texas, you can make words that don't rhyme really kind of rhyme if you just say them different. But, But listen, there's something about it when we've sensed that. What this verse is saying for we are God's handiwork, You are exactly as you're made, the way God wired you, the ingredients he put in you, the personality he gave you, the talents and gifts and acumen, all the things that God packed inside you, you are written. You are God's poem to the people in your life. You are God's expression of love as you function in your purpose to the people around you. When you live in your purpose, you're his expression of love. You, designed exactly like you are, precisely as you are, not the things that you'd like to change, the way God made you. I'm an introvert, I wish I was an extrovert. I'm an extrovert, people think I'm arrogant, I wish I was an introvert. No, 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 stop all that. The way God wired you, the most loving way to fulfill your purpose of loving God is allowing God to love others through you. But some of you, you miss that. Because you had a dad like, or you had a parent like Jesse, who overlooked you and diminished you. Your father, your mother, your parent, somebody early in life that was significant to you, didn't believe in you. If somebody's going to be picked to be king, you're not even called in to be an option. You're left out in the field because there's no way. This person who's supposed to believe in you and pour into you, that there's no way that they, they wouldn't even consider you. Why would anybody else? 
And the story that played out in your childhood has replayed in your mind, and you've learned to believe a lesser version of you, and you diminish the gifts God has put in you because you see the stories in the Bible and you think, never me. You look at the people that do great things and you think, never me. You look at people that enjoy life, have great marriages, fulfilling careers, do well financially, and you think, that's just not my lot in life. I'm just supposed to live a mediocre, miserable life. That's just how I'm created. I'm, I'm not an option for anything more. And if that's your story, I'm so sorry. You've missed some years believing a lie. This morning, I want you to understand it's not the truth. The truth is, Psalm 139 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And one of the works of God is that he created you. And the scripture says, which does not lie, God's works are wonderful. That means you are wonderful. You may be missing a wonderful life because you're not living in your purpose because you've believed a lie and you've never stepped into it. You don't understand how gifted you are. I believe the average person has far more leadership capacity and influence wired inside them than they even recognize. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. There's something else you need to know about your gifts. Not only do you have them, and they flourish when we live in humility, in accurate, real humility, you also need to know your gifts, how you're wired, they don't make you better or worse than others, they just make you different than others. We have a way of categorizing gifts. And often we have lists of what we view are great gifts. And depending on what your interests are in your profession, the person who knows how to close the deal, man, that they're gifted. The, the person who always gets the bonuses, the person who has the leads, they're gifted. Sometimes in church, oh man, I wish I could sing. I want to be on the worship team. I wish I could sing. And sometimes people want to sing and you're just not gifted. And we love Jesus and you enough to say, hey, Man, fulfill your dream in the shower, power hour, sing like crazy, but not in here. Like, it just, it just but, but what's interesting is we have gifts that we think are awesome. And isn't it interesting that so often in life, the gifts that we think are the bomb.com are the ones we don't have. Oh, I wish I was like so-and-so. I, I wish I was more like that person. I, 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 I just, I wish I was built, man, I wish I had a body like a hottie. I, I just, the genetics just, like, I just, I just don't get it. Hey, there's somebody for everybody. Have you ever walked in the mall and seen somebody that's gorgeous walking with somebody that's ugly? Here, here's the trick. Be nice. Be nice. You may not be a hottie, but you can marry one. But, but we, we look at people, I, I didn't even say that first service. I don't know where that came from. Maybe, hopefully you. Maybe it encourages you. If you're ugly, man, there's hope. <laughs> Somebody for everybody, all that kind of stuff. But, but the reality is you are gifted, but so often I watch people spend their lives trying to be something they're not because they think that's what will be fulfilling. That's what will make my life awesome. That's when I'll be happy in life. That's when I'll have a happy marriage, great career, finances go. Man, if, if, I could just, if I could just make myself, I, I'm not really gifted like that, but maybe I can learn and maybe I can become more like that. No, the way you achieve ultimate happiness is to learn to be who God designed you to be and flourish in that. That is the ground that is the most fertile. That's the place you can grow the most. You are uniquely gifted in a way that you bring something special to people that no one else can bring. 
And if you're not living in your gifting, all of us are missing out. And then there are others. There are other people. You don't wrestle with your gifts at all. You're really proud of your gifts. In fact, you've, you've forgotten they were given to you. You think that you're just good on your own. And you talk about what you've accomplished and you're, you're a little bit puffed up and you're more arrogant than you recognize and you can tell people your resume and you're proud of your accomplishments and your social media is a story of all of your successes and you can achieve all of that and be highly successful in your mind and miss a life of significance. But when you chase significance, success comes along for the ride. But listen, don't, who do you think? If you've achieved some things, man, good for you. If you've accomplished some things, seriously, I love being the kind of person. I, I love celebrating other people's success. I love that. I, we, we're a church like that, man. You, you get the bonus, you get the raise, you get the new job. You better tithe, but you, you, you get the house. I mean, Jesus said, don't rob him. That's not my words, that's his. But you, you, you achieve something, man, I am thrilled for you. But please understand, who do you think God gave? Who do you think gave you the ability to accomplish those things? Where do you think you got the talent? Where do you think you got the mind to formulate and analyze and come up with solutions to problems the way you do? Where do you think that came from? It is a gift from God. So walk in it in humility, understanding, yes, you're gifted, but it's from God. See, when we don't, our gifts can be our weaknesses when we forget where they came from. I have a couple of gifts, just a couple. When you take those tests, all the leadership tests or the Myers-Briggs or the, the one out of Harvard, the caliper test that takes like three and a half hours and makes your brain hurt. I mean, you, you take all these, I've, I've taken those and I have a couple of gifts. According to the test and fleshed out in reality over the years, I, I'm not saying I'm the expert at it. I'm still on a journey. I'm still learning. I'm not God's gift in these areas, but the gifts that he's put inside me are leadership and public speaking. And public speaking terrifies me. And leadership, very rarely have I ever made a decision that I knew 100% it was the right decision. See, what nobody tells you about leadership is you make the best decision you can with the information you have at that moment, but often there are questions of what if this doesn't work. The most confident leaders in their own minds wrestle with decisions. And once you make it, once you pull the trigger, man, you gotta ride the horse that direction. You also have to be smart enough as a leader, if the horse dies, take the saddle off because sometimes you're gonna get it wrong. But, but in both of those areas, leadership and public speaking, see, the gifts God gives you may be in areas that you're extremely uncomfortable. I've got two. <laughs> I got two gifts, not more, that's me. That's me in a box. I got two, that's it. That's all you get when you get me. Anything else, if you need me for something else, forget it. I remember the very first time I preached, I was 18 years old. In fact, we still have a cassette tape, a cassette, a cassette tape. That's a thing that's about this big and it's plastic. It has two little reels and some tape. You can put it in, we'll, we'll show you that later sometime. You'll be amazed. But I still have the cassette tape from the first sermon. And man, the Texas accent, by that I mean, I mean, just listening to that tape, my family cracks up. I don't know where it is. We've lost it on purpose. But the first time I preached, I was 18 years old. I was the first student pastor at a church that had never had a student pastor. And I preached on a Sunday morning. And the first time I preached, I preached about 45 minutes. Don't worry, I'm not going that long this morning. I've learned to shorten it up. But man, I gave it everything I had. There was so much passion. I was excited about what God was doing. And then, then I was supposed to preach again a few months later. The second time I preached, 
See, something happened after the first time. I forgot it was about God. And I listened to what everybody tried to put on me, like what Saul put on David. And I thought, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> They're blessed to have me. First youth pastor in the history of the church. First time I preached is 45 minutes. I, whew, I, I, I'm pretty good at this. The second time I preached, it lasted about eight and a half minutes, worst sermon I've ever preached. Because I forgot a very important component. Without Jesus and the Holy Spirit working through it and preparing and seeking him, because I can't help your life, I can't save your life, it takes God in a unique way, and anything that I'm going to deliver from a platform, I'm just the mailman. I'm just delivering a letter. I don't know the full contents of it. That's between you and Jesus. I'm just delivering the message he wants me to deliver, and it's between you and him what you do with it, but it takes the Holy Spirit to work in your life and change your life, and I forgot that, and I thought it was all about me, and God humbled me quickly. See, that's the unique thing about Scripture. The Bible says it's one of the few things we're challenged to do on our own. The Bible says, humble yourself or God will. Humble yourself. <laughs> I thought I was the stuff. And then after that second message, they never asked me to preach again. They never did. You are gifted to be you. The world does not need a lesser version that someone else is perfect at because it's their version. The world needs you to be authentically who you are or we miss out and you miss out on your best life. Stop trying to imitate everybody else. Stop trying to be something God did not create you to be. Learn to be who God created you to be and learn to experience and develop the gifts he's put inside you. One of the things people do in leadership is they often try to improve their weaknesses. That's baloney. Hire people that are strong where you're weak and you enhance the areas of your strengths that you're already gifted and you will go further faster. Be who God created you to be. You have gifts. Don't let it pump up your pride because it's not about you, it's about God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you picked the city where you were born? How many of you picked your personality? No. How, how many of you picked your IQ? Not your education, your IQ, what you started with. The balls you had when you came to the game. That's a bad phrase. The toys you had when you came to the game. How many of you picked that? No, and in the same way, you don't pick your gifts. God decided before time began, this is going to be the best you, and it is futile and a waste of emotional and mental energy to fight against how God created you and who you're supposed to be and how you're gifted. You, you might not sing from a platform, but you might stand at a door and shake somebody's hand and be the only smile they've seen in an entire week and make them feel welcome to come in and be a part of the family of God. You tell me what has more significance. The person who comes back because they dropped off their child in a room and they feel like that child is cared for and loved by adults who engage with them and are engaging with kids and teaching kids about Jesus on their level. You, you, you think if that doesn't happen, they're coming back to hear me? Not on your life. God has wired you and gifted you in a particular way and none of us get to choose that. It's a gift. And an accurate view of you, the most accurate view of you, is to recognize you are deeply loved by God who invites you to call him Father and he has gifted you. So you're gifted, what do you do with it? Verse six, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. And by the way, serving, the best way to interpret scriptures in light of scripture. So you don't ever wanna just pull one verse out 
and hang your whole life on that verse. You wanna look at other passages that talk about the same subject. Here it's talking specifically in some nuances about hospitality. But the reality is every single Christ follower is called to serve in and through the local church. That's for all of us, it's an all skate. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Some of you, your gift is generosity and God has blessed you so that you'd be able to fund a mission that changes lives and is the hope of the world, which is called the local church. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, we need you because I have none. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's why I don't do counsel. I'm a terrible counselor. Everything boils down to about two or three problems, really. And I'll tell you real quick what it is and how stupid you are if you don't do it. Mercy, I just didn't get a lot. But I've got a a lot of love and compassion. And so I want people around that have mercy so they can pour into you and they can help you in those moments. We find at least four different places in the Bible that speak to God's gifts that he gives us. So this is not an exhausted list. This is not all, this is not all there is. There's more. The, Paul is just hitting a few things saying, basically, here's the message. How you're wired, what God has gifted you in, serve. Make a difference with a life. You've only got one life to live. Your gifts are not just for you. He says they're for the body, they're for the church. Your life was made to count. And by the way, just because you have spiritual gifts does not mean you have spiritual maturity. There are people with spiritual gifts that don't have spiritual maturity. The mark of maturity is simple. Are you using the gifts God has given you for God's kingdom? Do you use what God gives you to make a difference through the local church? See, I wouldn't be a good pastor or a good friend if I didn't tell you what I'm about to tell you. And the reason I'm telling you what I'm about to tell you is not just that you and I need to hear it, but if, 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 if you miss this, if I miss this, we miss living the best life possible. The Bible has often a higher view of church than we do. In fact, in fact the church was God's idea. Now, almost everybody that grew up in church or everybody that goes to church, almost every person that has any context of church has a bad church story. But here's the reality. As human beings, we do an amazing job of messing up God's perfection. We're not a perfect church, but we have a perfect Savior, and we're striving to to, to live in a way that honors Him and that honors others. But Scripture teaches the church is a big deal, such a big deal that actually two things you need to know. The Bible calls it the bride of Jesus. In fact, in Revelation, end time stuff, in Revelation, the Bible says it's the church that Jesus is coming back for. The church is a big deal to God. Now think about this. I love my bride. I think I have the greatest bride in the world. And gentlemen, if you're married, you should feel the same way about your bride, not mine. If you feel that way about my bride, I'll punch you in the throat. But, but you should feel that way about your bride. It takes nothing away from you that I say, I think I have the greatest bride in the world. You should think you have the greatest bride in the world. That, 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 that's natural, that's normal, that, that's how it should be. So how would I feel if I'm incapacitated or if I'm going on some kind of trip for a couple months and I say to a couple people, hey, would you please make sure Angie's got everything she needs, make sure if she has an issue, I've told her, man, she can call you and make sure you help her and take care of it. How do you think I feel about you if you ignore my bride? And I wonder how often God looks at us and thinks, man, there's so much I want to do in you. There's so much I want to do through you. 
there's so many things I want to teach you and so many ways I want you to grow. And, oh, I want you to experience life right here. But you're stuck in neutral, sometimes reverse. Because my bride, I've given you this gift, and you're supposed to be using it as one body to serve through the local church and to make a difference in people's lives and to serve throughout the week. And you're spending all your time pouting about what you don't have. Our gifts are for God's kingdoms, God's kingdom, not ours. So how are you using you for God and others, not just for you? Your skill set, your abilities, your, your stuff, what, what role do you play in the kingdom? Your gifts, your mercy, your generosity, your hospitality, your helping others, how are you using that in the kingdom? Because you're here for a reason. You have a purpose. And the greatest life, the greatest Life experience is when you discover your gifts and use them in God's kingdom. That's the ultimate sweet spot in life. King David realized he may not have initially fit what leadership typically looks like, but he was fearfully and wonderfully made. And even though his dad couldn't see it, God could. And even though people around him didn't encourage it, God put something in him. And God knew that he had a life of significance to live, and he began to chase that. Angie and I have four kids, and they're just about grown, pretty well grown now. Our our youngest will graduate from UCF in about a year. Don't don't start the national championship stuff. That's baloney, and everybody knows it, but that's whatever. But but it's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) Goliath, I'm sorry. My friend Chris, UCF's awesome. I love him. One of the greatest joys in my life, I'm talking top shelf joys, is watching each of my kids individually step into how God has gifted them and use them through the local church. My greatest joy as a dad is watching God use my kids and knowing that they're making a difference. Not because they're perfect, I'm their dad. I know how imperfect they are more than you do. And they know how imperfect I am more than you do. But there is no greater joy. Wait, 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 wait. Would you you trade that for one or two of your kids having a million dollar a year salary because one day you might have to live with them? Not on your life. Would you trade that for them having degrees from Ivy League schools to set them up? for great success, not on your life. I want my kids to live a life chasing Jesus and live a life of significance and not worry about success. What about, would you want your kids, would you want one of your kids drafted in the NFL if they could help Dallas? No, not really. No, no, no. Would you want one of your kids drafted? Would you want one of your kids to be so gifted they're on a major platform in front of thousands singing songs or playing an instrument? Wouldn't you pick that over them serving through the local church and making a difference in people's lives, not on your life, because here's what I know that took me far too long to figure out. Let me just help you go further, faster in life. If you're not at my age, let me give you something that will catapult you a whole lot further. 
When you live in your gifting and you use it for God's kingdom, there is no happier or more fulfilling life than that. My kids are going to live lives that they love and they won't miss anything God has for them and it will not be pain-free and there will be challenges, but God will show his faithfulness as long as they chase him and chase significance by loving God and loving others and it does not happen without using their gifts. Parents, parents, let, let me say one final word to parents. One of the greatest things you can do for your children is allow them to be who God created them to be. Celebrate their first name more than their last name. Yeah, they're in your family, but they are uniquely wired and uniquely gifted to be who God created them to be. I, I can tell you which one of my kids would tell on themselves because they just couldn't help it and they were worried they were gonna get in trouble and so they, they just come say, hey, here's what I did. I can tell you which one of my kids is a great liar if they choose to be. I, I can tell you which one of my kids can get kind of stuck in their head and live in their thoughts. I, I can tell you which one of my kids is outwardly a whole lot more sensitive and lives in, in touch with their feelings in a very real way. I, they're, they're individuals. And just like in my family, in God's family, God has wired us differently, but no gift is less important than any other gift. You are equally valuable. There's no one in this room more important than you. There's no one in this room more loved by God than you. And there's no one less significant or less important than you. You're valuable. The question is, are you missing it? Would you pray with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the life of C3. Last Sunday, nine people giving their lives to you. God, it's incredible how you're using this church to make such a difference. These amazing people. And so I pray for those this morning who haven't discovered how gifted they truly are, the leadership capacity they truly have. And I pray this morning would simply be a spark, a a, a moment that creates a movement in their lives of growth and change and pursuing you and the life you have for them. But Father, we know it all begins with a relationship with Jesus. And there's no way to experience it without knowing Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you know that the greatest need in your life is to commit your life to Jesus, to have your sins forgiven, to have a home in heaven one day and the living spirit of God living in your life right now to walk through everything that you go through with you, the good days, the bad days. If that's where you are, I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer because this prayer begins the entire thing. This prayer sets up the significant life. This prayer begins the personal relationship with God because he wants you to call him father. If you'd like to know God in that way, I wanna invite you to pray this simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart, but I can't think of a reason not to pray it today. In fact, I believe this moment was created just for you if that's what you're feeling. Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive my sin. Thank you for loving me. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at C3 Church Online. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, I would love to know that because I would love to be able to pray for you. You matter. So I want to invite you to shoot me a text. Just shoot me your first name to 407-487-8311 so that I can be praying for you this week. And then next week, I'd love for you to join us in the room, 930 or 11 if you're in Central Florida. Man, come and be a part of what God's doing here. Have an amazing week. God bless you.